Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Our mission is to strip away the myths and hype that often surround the aesthetics industry. Inside Aesthetics aims to get to the bottom of the important topics that concern medical and allied health professionals, as well as the consumers themselves. We'll be showcasing the thoughts and experiences of experts in their respective fields. Each podcast will focus on a specialty, including surgery, non-surgical procedures, nutrition, well-being, and business knowledge from the personalities that have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general educational information about cosmetic procedures and well-being. It does not promote or endorse any cosmetic procedure, brand, or product. You should seek professional medical assessment before considering any treatment. Our guest today is Dr. Kat Stone. Dr. Kat is a world-class leader in non-surgical treatments with over 20 years of experience and a multitude of awards to match. Dr. Kat was New Zealand's first full-time cosmetic injectable doctor and is the founder of well-renowned clinic, The Face Place. Dr. Kat has a strong presence in magazines, social media and TV programs and is often a key opinion leader within these channels. She has also authored two books, the latest called Grow Younger with Great Food. Dr. Kat is a trainer for anti-wrinkle and dermal fillers and is one of a small group of licensed global trainers for the increasingly popular vampire techniques. These include the vampire facial, vampire facelift and vampire breast lift, as well as the sexual rejuvenation treatments, the O and P shots. So, Dr. Kat Stone, would you like us to call you Kat, Dr. Kat, Dr. Stone? Cat's Cat. fine. Okay, good. We're informal, <laughs> informal on Sundays. Indeed. Yeah. Thank you for coming. You've just got off a plane. Tell us what you got up to. Who were you seeing in the UK and who did you hang with? Oh, so I got to catch up with some of the other Elegant trainers over there and so, uh, hung out quite a lot with Dr. Sophie Schotter, who's just... Hey, Sophie. <laughs> hey, Sophie. She's one of my conference wives. I have I have a collection. I'm polyamorous when it comes to conference wives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just to be clear, conferences only. <laughs> yeah. So um, they're just uh, happens on conference uh, days in conference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've got a we've got a gaggle of girl doctors who uh, hang out at conferences together. It's kind of fun, and then catching up with Dr. Nesta from Scotland, who also does some work at Fi Clinic. Yes, he is freaking awesome, and. Uh, Sarah Tonks from the Lovely Clinic. Excellent. I didn't um, know you saw Sarah as well. Yeah, we used to work together yeah. at the Beyond Medispa in Knightsbridge. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Because it was through it was through you and your, yours and Sarah's first clinic That's that right. we've ended up with the Allegan Hive. What's yes. it called? The Lovely Clinic. It's uh, so, such yeah. a enchanting name. It makes <laughs> Honestly, yeah. you've got to watch her YouTube channel. It's oh, amazing. Really? It's she's amazing. she's a scream. She's totally a scream. Yeah. Um, it's so. it's all Tongue in cheek, but real aesthetic medicine. It's it's really really interesting. Yeah. So anyone who has sound like you it. like walk out with like a packet of lollies or something in a, <laughs> a lovely <laughs> clinic. Well, she does like roasts and as in like you know celebrity roasts and. Does it, that mean she, you mean she makes fun of people? Is that, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, wow. well, or, or sometimes it's just scrutinizing what they've had done, and it's interesting to. Watch. Oh wow. Yeah. She's, she's just done the Kardashian roast, so that, I think that would be an interesting one to go oh. and check it on Instagram. Yeah. And YouTube. Okay. Shout <laughs> yeah. out to what's her Instagram handle? <laughs> uh, Dr. At, Sarah Tonks. Uh-huh. And at the Lovely Clinic. I, I do also like the fact that TLC is the uh, is the abbreviation. Yes. As in the band or Tender Loving yeah, Care. Yeah, you know. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. 
bit of both. Yeah, and you saw Dr. Rajakila, or was he in town or not? He wasn't in town at that stage, so. Okay. Uh, but um, yes, I did a little bit of work while I was up there. Excellent. And um, caught up with. Oh, I'm blaming jet lag. <laughs> uh, lovely Peruvian. We were just talking Liesel. about it before. Liesel. Yeah, uh, Liesl, who works with Raj as well, also came for dinner, and then a maxillofacial surgeon who is also doing some cosmetic work, um, Joe, who works with Tracy Muntford. So great! Yeah, we had a good cra- we had a good gang, good crew. How how would you uh, sort of reflect the Australian and the UK and New Zealand injectable markets? Like, how do they differ, and, and how are they the same? Uh, the obviously the UK market is a lot less regulated yes, that's than a hot either topic. our markets. It's a very much a hot topic. Unfortunately, in New Zealand, just recently we've had to we've started a petition to try and increase regulation in the industry in New Zealand because it is starting to go down that slippery slide in the same direction. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you guys are way more regulated here. However, I would say probably with Australia, it's got a much more obvious aesthetic than the both the New Zealand and the, um, mm. and the UK trained aesthetic. So. Yeah. So for those listening who might not understand what we mean by regulation, what, what is so loose in the UK and what is so strict, say, here in Australia? Uh, so in the UK, basically anyone can inject. So you can, uh, if you are a beauty therapist, if you're a podiatrist, tattoo artist, dog groomer. Garbologist. A what? Garbologist. What's a garbologist? I don't know, someone that picks up your rubbish. Anyone, oh, anyone. <laughs> Yes, you yeah. could have, you could, a garbologist could you inject go. you. So, uh, yeah, so anybody could inject you. I mean, that's mental, isn't it? It's just crazy. So knowing you what know, we know about risk of complications and severity of complications, like blindness being the sort of hot topic here in Sydney with one about a year ago. Yeah. That is just crazy. But even things like nodules, making sure that people understand, um, uh, having proper sterile technique when they're, when they're using dermal fillers, for example, yes. um, infections, and also understand the anatomy so that people can give a good aesthetic result. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah. So what's your petition or, or what, what are you doing in New Zealand to try and improve things? Uh, so there's a petition on change.org where we've, I think there's three and a half, four thousand signatures so far. So I signed, by the way. Thank you. Much appreciated. <laughs> uh, what we're doing is we're petitioning the government to get better regulation of dermal fillers and also lasers right. uh, in New Zealand. Um, it's gone from being a prescription medicine several years ago to a medical device. And now it looks like it's going to slip through the cracks of the Therapeutic Products Act. Right. Um, so how, how or why was it downgraded? That's interesting. Normally it would be the other way around. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not a politically minded beast, so <laughs> okay. I, you might have to ask someone else that question. All right, but, um, but basically the, it was freed up to more and more people. Yeah. Yeah. Unnecessarily. Maybe. Yeah. And I guess what we're looking for, it's unlikely, we've been told it's unlikely it'll go back up to being prescription medicine. Right. But I know Sophie, who is a dear friend of mine and that I was visiting up in the UK, um, Sarah Hart, myself, uh, uh, also uh, not just within the industry, but other people associated with the industry, like Alice Hart Davis, who's uh, a yeah. journalist that we did an Instagram live with. Yes. Um, as fellow authors. Yeah. Uh, there's there's very much a push for better regulation from a whole lot of us in terms of 
looking at getting better training and licensing for people within the industry, yeah. you know, which gives them a level of comfort as well. Yes. And I think we've spoken about it earlier tonight. It's really important that the public can trust our industry. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if, if we go in and <clears throat> have better educated people doing better treatments that are safer and getting great results, then they're going to trust the industry more, which means that the whole industry grows for everybody. Everyone benefits. You get yeah, more everyone clients, benefits. everyone's happy, everyone's safe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like happy, happy, happy land. I agree. <laughs> so sign the petition. <laughs> we like happy land. So, Kat, for people who obviously, well, I can't believe they have not heard of you before, but tell us about you and your training and, and what you do and about your clinic. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's always confronting having to talk about yourself. Uh, <clears throat> okay. So, I guess, uh, like you, I came through the surgical side of things rather than general practice side. Um, I was originally training towards plastic and reconstructive surgery, didn't complete my training. So in about the year 2000, I had a friend who came to me and said, um, can you do my wrinkle relaxing treatments? And I was like, what do you want to stick that in your face for? Mm. And because uh, at the time I'd used that particular product uh, in cerebral palsy kids. Uh, okay. Yeah, and and you know you you may remember having done orthopedics that we use it in their legs to help them walk, and we use doses around three to four hundred units. And so going from sticking it in the legs of babies to help them walk and to help with their hygiene to sticking it in someone's face for lines and wrinkles, I was like. Mm. Mm, I'm just not sure about this. And I, so, I, you know, I said, look, I'll, I'll look into it for you. I'll do some research. And I went away and did the research and realized that there was a lot that could be done that wasn't being done with it. And that it was actually a very safe medication when it was used appropriately. And the doses that were used cosmetically were tiny yes. mm. compared to what we used medically. And so I left surgery and I was the first doctor to go full-time doing cosmetic injectables. Really? In, uh, in New Zealand? In, in New Zealand. Wow. So I think in Australasia, I think at that stage it was, uh, there were some plastic surgeons, nurses doing it, some GPs, and a few plastic surgeons kind of doing it here and there. But there was nobody doing it absolutely full-time. And so, yeah, I've kind of dedicated myself to it and went off and did some training with the pioneers in, in this industry, the Carruthers, uh, and had the opportunity to train with them on several occasions, actually. Right. Yeah, um, we touched on the Carruthers with uh, Dr. Kath Porter when, you know, we were doing our other podcast. And, I mean, they literally stumbled across it by accident, didn't they? Totally. So uh, Jean Carruthers is an eye specialist who was uh, using wrinkle relaxing treatments, not for wrinkle relaxing. Originally, she was using it for eye spasm. And she noticed that uh, people were coming back in and going, hey, Doc, can you do the other side? My wrinkles are gone. <laughs> and so her and her husband, Alistair, is a cosmetic dermatologist. And they did all the original research. I, I know that they were doing research back as far as 1984. Wow. And so it's been around for a really, really, really long time. Yeah. Which was really reassuring. And what was it that motivated you to pursue it full time? Because there'd be no career path for you to follow. Was it just passion for, I guess, uncharted territory or? Uh, you know, it's one of those things that you don't know what you don't know yeah, at the right. time. I, I was really fortunate. I think one of the things when I first went into the training and tried it on, on, and interestingly, of the first 10 people that I tried it on, seven were guys. Yeah, right. Uh, which was really, really cool. And when, when it actually worked, it blew me away. I was like, wow, this stuff, 
this stuff actually works. Mm. And I, I got more and more passionate about it as I was doing it more. The... And one of the things I actually spoke with Alligan about very early on. So I, I opened the face place in 2001. And early on, we, I started noticing that people were coming in and going, hey, do you know what? My frown lines have improved, but I feel better. Mm. You know, I actually feel, yes, I feel better that my frown lines aren't there, but I, I feel happier. Mm. And so there was this whole thing of, you know, the psychosocial impact of of having these sorts of treatments fascinated me. And also, you know, uh, you know what it's like, Jake, it's, having gone from hospital medicine where, yes, you get to have a massive impact in changing lives, but you, you're dealing with sick people. Mm. Um, and it can be heartbreaking. And it, it, I'm very much an empath, and I found it very difficult when I had to tell people bad news. Yeah. And to come in and then help people's confidence and have them come back in and go, you know what, you changed my life. Mm. Uh, it's a little bit addictive. Yeah. It's just a little bit addictive. I know? totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I still, I reckon I have friends who don't really understand my career and they probably think it's a bit superfluous, a little bit vain, a little bit sort of, are oh, you just treating wrinkles? But it's way more than that. When you have your loyal clients who say, I've now got the confidence to do X or Y or my job has changed or I found a new partner because I've got the confidence. I think that's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, we have so many. It's one of the things we often talk about in the clinic is that we do life-changing procedures. Mm. And, and, and that's part of our selection process, I guess, is, is this something that can actually really help people? So we'll only, we can't, we're very clear early on that we'll only do things that are safe, simple, effective, naturally based and non-animal in their origin, mainly because I'm a greenie. So, you know, we were the first medical clinic to become a sustainable salon in New Zealand. <laughs> um, uh, then it has to be, have the medical research backing it up. Uh, and then we trial it on ourselves and we trial it on ourselves to make sure it's high, high reward, low risk and good value for money. So mm. whenever we're looking at a procedure, that's, those are the parameters that we're looking at. That's really cool. Yeah. It's and how do you, I guess you were, you were talking about the fact that it's so rewarding to feel like you're making such a positive impact in people's lives. And we've spoken about this on, on a few occasions in different podcasts is how do you find that balance between helping someone build confidence and then identifying people that potentially this could be a crutch or going too far or people that have got, I guess, issues with the way they feel about themselves. Do you, do you struggle with that? Or is that something that is, do you think just comes with experience? <laughs> That's a really good question. Cause Jake and I were talking uh -oh. about this in the car. It's I, a fine line, I'm, right? I'm really clear right from the outset with our, with our clients and the rest of our team is as well, that if we don't believe it's in their best interests, we'll, we'll say no. Yeah. And, uh, I actually had a client the other day who was a cosmetic doctor mm. who was exhibiting all the symptoms of body dysmorphic disorder, oh, wow. um, that I turned around and said, I'm really sorry. Um, but this is what that you're exhibiting the signs of uh, body dysmorphic disorder and you know what those are and I reflected them back to her and I said I'm not going to treat you because you know that that will make it worse mm. uh, and the better option for you is to go and, uh, and seek um, counselling treatment mm. and they're actually showing with body dysmorphia that um, taking antidepressants for six weeks yeah, right. um, actually diminishes the uh, the symptoms of body dysmorphia. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah, it was presented up at AMWC Monaco this year. Yeah. I mean, 
we have, yeah. you know, Dave and I have spoken about BDD a lot on the podcast, and I, I don't want the listeners to think that it's a more common issue than maybe we talk about, but it's definitely important to flag because of, you know, what we do. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's great advice. Uh, you know, there's really, really clear red flags for it. So, you know, when someone's coming in overly obsessed with something that's very, very minor uh, and saying words like, I can't bear to look in the mirror because of the fact that I just I just want to kill myself. Wow. Um, you know, that's kind of a red flag that there's a, a lot more going on than just um, uh, yeah. just a cosmetic concern. And we don't deal with them very often, you're right. But it is important as a... As a practitioner in this craft uh, I think we have to look at the whole person and not just focus on a particular line or wrinkle um, and and that's where the joy of it also comes in is being able to uh, tailor our treatments to the individual so that it suits them their lifestyle their personality um, and why we spend and we've also spoken about this previously Jake you know at our clinic we invest a significant amount of time the first time that we meet someone yeah um, most of my team, it's an hour, me, it's an hour and a half because I like, in case you haven't noticed, I like to. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, uh, but that's our getting to know you stage. It's our how do we make sure that we look after you in the best possible way? I think that's fantastic. Now, the the meat of the topic, the main, the main that item great, on the menu. That was a great preamble. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is one that you know dave and i wanted to explore but you know anecdotally you speak to so many injectors or, or therapists dermal therapists and platelet rich plasma or prp as it's more commonly known with the vampire facial well we're gonna, well, come, to we're gonna come on to oh that's not oh, that, okay i've given it let the cat out the bag okay. but, but that, <laughs> that's a great example of the confusion out there it is and that just went straight to thinking about kim kardashian yeah. straight away yeah so Kat, you're the expert. Um, firstly, how did you train in, in platelet-rich plasma and, and I guess what is it, you know? Okay, cool. Uh, so platelet-rich plasma is exactly what it sounds like. If you're a medical person, you'll know that platelets are basically the little uh, kind of bits of cells that go around the bloodstream and um, create the clot when we, when we harm ourselves. Hmm. Um, so if you cut yourself, uh, it, it'll stop bleeding because of the platelets. Um, and plasma is basically the fluid that our blood runs around in. And so platelet-rich plasma is basically plasma that has a higher than normal concentration of platelets. Mm -hmm. And the way that we get it is um, very, actually really simple. We take a sample of blood, it gets spun in some special tubes. Usually you can either have it in um, a, a specific machine or in special tubes that get so put into a centrifuge. centrifuge. Yeah. Um, usually takes about five to ten minutes to spin the blood down. And that gets rid of the red cells out of the blood, which uh, the red cells can cause inflammation. And then we inject the platelet-rich plasma, and we call it liquid gold because yeah. it's this mm -hmm. The, the, the form that we use is a beautiful kind of golden colour. Yes. Uh, and, and it's amazing how actually people get quite attached to like seeing what their PRP looks like each time as well. <laughs> Is it different uh, every time? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Uh, depends what you've eaten and how oh. hydrated you are. You were talking about that guy that had a big night on whatever he was on and came in and it looked yeah. like Coca-Cola. Well, it looked like rusty <laughs> water. Oh. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you sort of off air, but maybe oh. we can explore that. Sorry. So <laughs> presumably, you know, you want someone nutritionally yeah. balanced, uh, ideally not a heavy drinker, a smoker, etc. But, you know, what, what are the ranges? What's normal? What does it look like apart from clear gold colored if you like 
Well, you can get beautiful uh, liquid gold. That's my favourite. You can get kind of a light kind of lemony colour. If someone's just had a... um, a fatty meal so there was one guy who had had uh, a sausage roll like about <laughs> half an hour 40 minutes beforehand and I was pointing out the the how his PRP was cloudy um, he looked at the separating gel which is kind of a white color between the um, between the blood and the PRP and was like god is that the fat that's in a, in a sausage roll I'm not eating any of those anymore <laughs> I reassure him it was all right yeah um, uh, those are the main ones I've seen I haven't seen yeah uh, I'm sure I've got a photo somewhere I'll send it oh, to you well, it's fascinating. And, well we didn't use it yeah and then he sort of had a, a more normal week where he just didn't party as much and we did it again and it was fine how fascinating I know yeah it'd be I interesting to send it off and see what was did see you, what was in there did you still treat him with no not on the, no not with so you saw the saw the results and thought mm, correct we'll probably leave this one today would it be interesting to see if it would have been oh well, I guess we'll come on to this in terms of knowing if it's effective or not but yeah yeah um Fine, so you get your little vials of liquid gold. Yep. And what are the indications for it? Why are you doing it? Okay, so basically any tissue that you put that liquid gold into, uh, you're stimulating regeneration of the tissues because uh, what you're harnessing is the body's healing ability. So once you inject the, and and basically it has to get into the skin with needles. Yes. Um, So once you inject the PRP, and and there are multiple different ways that we can do this, but once you inject the PRP, it uh, stimulates the release of growth factors from the platelets. Okay. and uh, that tells the stem cells to come in and start repairing those tissues. Mm. So, you know, commonly face. Uh, what I love it for is the really fine, crepey skin. So especially around the eyes, um, absolutely fabulous for that kind of fine, crepey skin. Such a common complaint. That- absolutely. And, you know, if you've got someone with that really fine skin, then the dermal filler, if they don't have any hollowing, it's a, <clears throat> it's a difficult one to treat. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we can also use it. I, I love using it for crepey skin through the neck and decolletage. Mm. Uh, we also use it for hair loss, for um, early stage hair loss. Both uh, men and women. Both just men, qualify. both men and women. And we've also had some success with things like um, alopecia areata, uh, which is the little patches of hair loss as well. Okay. So um, you know, it's less consistent, but it, we've we've still had some nice results with it. And then we use it for the vampire treatments, which are a kind of a very specific. So I'm one of the global trainers for the vampire treatments, and they are trademark procedures which are done in a very specific way. Can you tell us whilst we're on that topic mm-hmm. of who is Dr. Orgasm? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, want, Jake, Jake wants his number. <laughs> Actually, Jake's, Jake's wife wants his number. <laughs> uh, uh, I believe that you slotted that question. I'm just reading what you wrote. <laughs> um, but no, it's a valid point, isn't it? Because I've, I've looked into uh, you know training for the other uses of PRP that you're going to come on to. Yeah. But it, it's almost like a trademarked uh, you know, technique and even name. You can't use these names on your website unless you've gone through the training. So uh, how does that work? Okay, so Dr. Charles Runnels is the sex doctor, uh, which is how he introduced himself to me wow. when I first met him at the conference. And I was like... <laughs> was that at a bar before? The- <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of like, um, okay. <laughs> uh, so, and he's got this, he's from Alabama. So he's got this very long Southern drawl. So um, he makes it sound way more interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, he he's the one who started the the vampire facial and the vampire facelift. Now it gets confusing because these are two very different procedures that sound the same. And he also invented the O shot, the Priper shot, which are both sexual rejuvenation first for uh, O shot for women, P shot for men, and the vampire breast lift, which. <laughs> Uh, These are coming in uh, the bonus episode next week. Yes. Okay, we'll talk about those later. Yes. And so to to do the training, there's a couple of ways you can do it. There is an online element if you want to go down that pathway. But what we do is we offer the hands-on training in small groups. And to be there's probably about 20 now uh, accredited trainers globally. Um, Dr. Wow. Yeah, so Dr. Nicole, it might be, it might even be more than that, but um, uh, we're the trainers for the uh, Asia Pacific region. Okay. Uh, Dr. Nicole Canaris, who you know, is Friend a trainer for South Africa. Yes. And uh, there's some great trainers in the states as well. Uh, we did the training specifically with uh, with Dr. Charles. In fact, he came and did the training with myself and Kushni, uh, Dr. Kushni Apana, who uh, works with me and is a is a co trainer with me. Hmm. And um, so it came about basically we were at BioBridge, which is a PRP conference in Venice that I have gone to quite regularly. And I met Dr. Charles, the sex doctor, and then kind of awkwardly moved away from him (laughs) for a little bit. Uh, And then found out he did the vampire facial and vampire facelift, which I'd been really interested in. So I went back to talking to him and had some really good interesting discussions and he was like you know do you inject and I'm like yes and he he we started talking about techniques and he's like well your face is normal compared to a lot of people and so you obviously have some good injecting techniques and you know would you like to be a trainer and by that stage we'd been talking about the O shot and Priper shot and I was like well I'm a, I'm a hair up girl like I, I, I do face neck and I might be able to stretch down to the breast region but um, you know anything below that's not my thing and so I invited Kirshny to he he was like well if you're going to train you have to train in all of them fair enough so I invited Kirshny to come and be a trainer for me with alongside me and uh, Charles came and did the training with us in terms of doing the procedures and then I wanted to try them out for six months before committing to being a trainer sensible yeah. yeah and so as part of the as part of the training <clears throat> both Kushni and I had the procedures. Wow. And but maybe we'll save that for the next clinic? episode. We'll, 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 we'll save that for the next episode. We'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, right. But let's just say I'm convinced. Oh, right. So, yeah. Okay. All right. This is okay. We'll yeah. save that for episode. So, getting back to the process. So, you yeah. take the blood. Yes. You spin it, you get the liquid gold, yeah. you inject it. Now, are you injecting it like you would like an anti-wrinkle or are you doing it like hundreds of little injections? Like, can you just take us through like from how you would explain it to a patient in terms of what's going to happen during the procedure, how you're going to feel afterwards, when you're going to see results, Great. what could go wrong, etc. Mm. Well, first of all, it'll depend what we're treating in terms of the the right. injection techniques that we're using. There's multiple different ways that we can actually uh, get the get the PRP under the skin. One of my favourites is a treatment that 
you know, we've talked about the Vampire Facial, but we had actually developed a treatment that I've now got permission from Charles to call the Vampire Facial Plus mm. because it's a little bit more than a Vampire Facial. Mm. So standard Vampire Facial is get some PRP, rub it on the face, use a needling device, whether that's in a needle roller mm. or a machine, create little holes in the skin with the needling device. Like mesotherapy sort of thing. Mesotherapy is different. So right. we also have a mesotherapy gun, which we right. use and mix the PRP with some other stuff right. and, and we'll use that for neck and chest okay. because it's great for large area mm. doing large areas very quickly with minimal pain mm. uh, <clears throat> when we're doing the vampire facial uh, what we do well vampire facial plus is we actually mix the prp with a hyaluronic solution yes and it's been shown it was kind of cool because the same conference that i met charles was also the conference where they launched uh, the cellular matrix i'm not allowed I'm not sure if i'm allowed to say that it's not a scheduled drug to talk about it? Or is it a secret? It's, it's, a, it's a special type of tube oh. that's not available in Australia, Australia yet. Oh, okay. It's going through I the I think process. we can let that slip through the net then, can't we? It's fine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the cellular matrix tubes through Regen uh, have an uncross-linked hyaluronic acid with PRP. Okay, yeah, I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah. And they actually had... That in the conference, they'd shown studies of how uh, when you have the hyaluronic acid, it actually boosts the results of the PRP. Okay. About eight months before that, we'd been playing around with. So when I saw about the vampire facial that Charles was doing, I was like, oh, we can do that in clinic. And so as you do, you start playing around with things. And so I'd, I'd tried putting PRP through our needling device, and it was an absolute dismal failure mm. because. The PRP went frothy, it all just kind of splattered through. It didn't really go into the skin. It was kind of a mismatch of everything. So when so I started playing around and just mixing it with a whole lot of different things to see how we could actually get it into the skin. Yeah. And the easiest way we could do it was with the hyaluronic solution that came with our normal uh, stamp, e-dermostamp yeah, machine. Right. And the e-dermostamp's unique because you can actually infuse a solution as you're needling. Okay. So we started mixing the PRP with the hyaluronic solution and then infusing it through the e-dermostamp machine. And we found that not only were the results better, but the recovery was way faster. So when you say like a dermal stamp, we talking like sort of like the beauty booster gun. Is that sort of mm. similar? Like No, it's it's more of a manual. No, e-derma no? stamp is a specific brand similar to Dermapen. But so it's a it's a needling device. It's yeah. a it's an electric pen that vibrates the needles in and out. But it actually has the ability sort of. to infuse the okay. um, infuse the solution as well. So the patient. So you'd basically in put the PRP into this gun or this. It's it's so uh, the first step. So if uh, my nurses do the majority of these, right? Okay. Now, so, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. So if in terms of a patient experience of yeah. Empire Facial Plus. Uh, numbing cream for about 40 minutes yep. and then uh, we inject the any extra PRP into areas of concern most commonly around the eyes but we can also do through the lip or little fine lines would that be like same scars. as like anti-wrinkle needles like yes, little insulin absolutely. needles yeah. 31 gauge BD tiny okay. little injections so for those injectors listening what sort of depth and, and volumes are you using uh, again, kind of depends on what we're injecting. For okay. around the eye, I'm usually going um, just subdermal because it spreads quite nicely. So you're creating a little bleb. 
Uh, trying not to, because I okay. want to. Pe- like my aim is to have people walking out not looking like they've had anything done. Okay, fine. you know they're going to be a bit red from the needling device, mm-hmm. but if we can have them looking as normal as possible, yeah, you know their measure of how well you, how good a doctor you are is how whether, many bruises you got, yeah, yeah. how many bruises <laughs> you've got and how weird you look immediately after. So, yeah. um, so we like people to, especially you know our city clinic goes out onto a busy high street kind of area so we want to have people looking pretty good when they walk out on the street we got a bit technical which is awesome but just to take that back you know just to the simple prp what are the indications that are people coming to you for you know just standard stuff not not vampire facials and and stamps and things just standard prp and who's a good candidate and who's not a good candidate Cool. Uh, so standard stuff that people are using the PRP for is um, improving skin's texture, thickness and glow. Okay. And so, and crepey skin, it's my superstar for crepey skin. Yeah, okay. Uh, they would expect to do a treatment a month for three months and then maintain the results every six to 12 months. Yeah. Uh and a good candidate is generally someone, so for a long time we wouldn't, so we started using PRP about 12 years ago. And for the first probably six or seven years of that, we wouldn't treat people who were smokers. Because, mm. you know, the risk of not having a good result was too high. Mm. Uh, we now will treat smokers, but we will just say to them, look, there's a, there's a higher chance that it might not work for you. Mm. Excuse me. Um. Uh, if you are, a, and as you've mentioned before, Jake, if you're healthy and if you're in, uh, if you eat well, sleep well, exercise, look after yourself. If your cells are healthy uh, and your blood's healthy, you're more likely to get a better result. Mm. Um, and saying that, I have treated people who have platelet disorders like um, von Willebrand's disease. Yes, uh, and I have one of my clients who's a long-standing client who. <clears throat> Uh, his von, von Willebrand's one who was, she just wanted the O-shot. And I was like, well, there's a real chance it might not work. And she's like, I know, but I'm willing to take that chance. The, the risks are low. And so we treated and it was really effective. And she's gone on and had a heap of other PRP and it's all worked really well as well. So, right. yeah. So, <laughs> so you do the treatment. People look red, inflamed. They... Go back to work. They go home and hide themselves from public consumption for a it period of time. It depends or? which it depends which treatment you're having done. Right. So, uh, if it's just PRP injected, you can look a little bit puffy around the eyes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, if it's the vampire facial plus, you might look a little bit red, depending on. So we won't treat people unless they've had their skin properly prepared for at least a month beforehand. And what is that in? Um, so that is using vitamin A, vitamin C, mm. um, antioxidants. So using the right skin care to get their skin into good condition. Okay. And that means that uh, we're going to increase the chance of getting good results and reduce the chance of getting side, side effects. Okay. Uh, and if people want to see like what, what my skin looks like after a Vampire Facial Plus, there's actually on my Instagram, there's a, uh, in the history Stories. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. I basically take people through seeing what a vampire facial plus is. What's like. your Instagram handle? Just uh, at Dr. Catstone. D R C A T S T O N E. So potentially just like uh, your regular run of the mill anti wrinkle or filler in treatment. Potentially go back to work, but probably the next day you're going to look pretty normal-ish. Yeah. Bit of puffiness, maybe a bit of maybe a bruise. 
Usually, usually by the next day you're fine. Okay. Um, around the eyes, you could have a little bit of swelling. There's always a possibility of having yeah. a bruise. Yeah. The thing to be conscious of with PRP is that it's not like your other injectable treatments yeah. that you mentioned. Uh, it's going to take a lot longer to see changes. Yeah. And so often three to six weeks before we're starting to see some change and often three to six months before we're really getting to see significant change in okay. the skin. And there are some people that... Even if we, even if we do the three treatments, there are some people that still don't see a, a significant change, and then there are other people who just rave about it. Yeah, and right. I, I think that's what polarizes well both clients and injectors. You know, I've I've used PRP to a much smaller degree than than I can ever hope to do that you're doing, but even I sort of lack confidence in waiting that long to get the results. And so, if I'm losing patients, I'm thinking, well. Surely a, a paying client's going to lose patience as well. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a learning curve, isn't it? It's a sign of the times that we just want everything right now. Yeah, instant yeah. gratification. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, we well, want well, it yesterday. Thank you very much. Uh, and I think so long as you set the expectation for people hmm. and it's like, cool, you know, in three to six months, we're going to see slow, gradual changes over time. For some people, that actually suits better. Yeah. Uh, they they don't want to see big dramatic changes, especially in my client base. Mm. Uh, and the other cool thing about PRP is you can't overdo it. Yeah. So you're not going to end up with pillow face or yeah. Uh, pillow um, face. I remember that terminology. <laughs> <laughs> Back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's a really nice benefit of it. Yeah. Uh, we can also, you know, we can also. Combined the PRP with dermal filler and the vampire facelift, right? Uh, which is where we're using the filler like as a scaffold. Yeah. So that's where we do get an instant result from the filler, but mm. we're using really, really small dose, small yeah, amounts. Right. Uh, and then we put the PRP over over the top into the fat pads to stimulate fat pad um, regeneration. Mm. And again, so you get you get a very subtle. It's great that that particular one is great for people who've just starting to see the first small changes of volume loss, uh, especially through the mid-face, but want a very natural result. Yeah. Uh, and um, you can get some really nice results with it. That sounds more up my alley. I need to learn how to do the vampire facelift. There you go. You've got an excuse for a trip to New Zealand, <laughs> yeah. huh, Jake? There you go. Let's do it. Um, um, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, um, in terms of costs, and is it an expensive procedure or is it... Okay, we have to put into factor here that I am the most ex I've got the most expensive prices right. in New Zealand for 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 me. Yeah, we've got a we've got a range within the clinic. Right. Uh, I don't do a lot of the standard PRP as I mentioned, or the right. Empire Facial. It's mainly my nurses these days. Yeah. Uh, in New Zealand dollars, uh, $795 for a vial right. and $950 for a Vampire Facial Plus. And the vial would do your whole face? A vial does, you know, we've moved away from doing the whole face treatment right. a, unless we do the Vampire Facial Plus. Right. We're going to get better results with Vampire Facial Plus because it's yeah. a needling plus uh, the hydrating effect of the hyaluronic acid yeah. plus the regenerative effect of the PRP. And we're going to get much better results with that. Yeah. So if we're doing just plain PRP, yeah. we're either doing eyes... Uh, we're doing um, hair loss, uh, or we're mixing it with other things and putting it through the meso gun and doing neck and chest. Right. And then the other one that we're getting awesome results with is scarring. Mm, okay. I mean, that's not too, I mean, it's obviously a lot of money, but no more expensive than a few meals of filler. 
Yeah. Really. So it's if you're in the market for cosmetic injectables, it's in line. It's not like it's astronomically more expensive. It's not. And I, it, it works in really, really well with the dermal filler yeah. because we're working on skin texture. Yeah. So the dermal filler is about creating the structure, but what we're doing with the PRP is we're actually improving the canvas that, yeah. that's sitting over the top. So we're, we're working with the two of them. Yeah. And as part of an overall plan, it's actually a really beautiful maintenance treatment. Well, it sounds like it's a, like a synergistic. Very synergistic. And they sort of probably work... Work good in isolation, but even better together. Absolutely, absolutely. Would you say, you know, it's a, it's a good analogy to say <clears throat> to maybe a client who who's sort of trying to understand what results they might get. It's not, like you said, an anti-wrinkle filler where you're like, okay, I'm walking out and and something's happening. It's more of a fertilizer that if you if you putting the seeds in and you know you're doing all the right things, you've got the potential to have the a better skin, but it's not a, a guaranteed result. Have you been reading my my, my slides for uh, <laughs> presentations? No. I literally have. I literally have a picture of ah. like poppies in the garden, and and it's it's like go. sowing the seeds. Mm-hmm. It's like sowing the seeds. You've got to have great fertilizer there. Okay. And if you have great fertilizer, which is you know good sleep, eat well, stay hydrated, look after yourself, be yes. have good blood blood flow, all of those things. Yeah. And, and there's no evidence actually supporting that. This is just an observation. Uh, and I, I've had people who don't do any of those things who've still had good results with PRP. And yeah. I've occasionally had people who do all of these things who don't have a good result with PRP. But it, it kind of, when you think about it, makes sense when you're using something that's autologous or your own. That yeah. if you're starting with good quality mm. stuff to start with. Yeah. Uh, and it's usually it's one of the things that I will say to people is when... When you're using wrinkle relaxers and fillers, we're taking something off the shelf that we know what the what the properties of that mm. is. Yeah. When we're taking something out of you, out of your blood, we ha- we're less aware of what those properties are, yeah. and you're the one who has to take responsibility for that. Yeah. Would you recommend that before treatment, people like if you're doing a consult and you're not treating on the day, that if you pick up or people divulge that they probably don't live a healthy lifestyle, things like smoking having a really crappy diet, would you recommend them adjusting that to improve the success or efficacy of the treatment? Or is it, that's probably maybe going a bit too far? We, we've we actually had, so we do do a consultation two mm. weeks bef- before doing any PRP treatment <clears throat> and that gives people time to make adjustments. So because we're also wanting them to stop things like platelet inhibitors, uh, like uh, the as- anti-inflammatories, yep. fish oils, uh, those yeah, sorts right. of things to, yeah. to, and again, there's no evidence and we have treated people who have taken those things and it still worked, mm. but we've, when people are investing that money, we want to give them the best opportunity to mm. get a good result. And do you find that, um, younger people who, who are probably more, um, programmed to want everything instantly are less attracted to this treatment and maybe older people is, do you find that there's a generational I'm I'm just curious. That's a good question. I I think a lot of the skin texture stuff starts to come in when you're in your 30s. Yeah. Um, Excuse me. And so, uh, but I mean, it is a treatment that if you started in your 20s, that you're you're collagen banking, basically. You're building up your reserves so that when you start start losing it. Yeah. And the people that we've had who are in their 20s have had, say, Vampire Facial Plus for skin texture Mm. have had absolutely fantastic results. Right. Okay. Uh, I think I'll be coming in for a treatment next (laughs) time. 
Come in and see the girls. Yeah, I will. So, um, I guess it would be irresponsible for us not to talk about the things that could potentially go wrong. Yes. Um, we, could we cover complications, side effects? Absolutely. Yeah. One of the nice things with some, using something that's autologous or using something something that's your own is that the risk of reactions is... Mm minimized dramatically. So most of the side effects related to platelet-rich plasma are related to the fact that we're using needles to put it in the skin. So swelling, redness, bruising are all possible. Uh, obviously, we do everything in our power to minimize it, but it will depend on what the what the, what the the treatment is, uh, why we're treating, what techniques we're using to get the PRP in. Is it possible to deliver PRP with a cannula or...? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people do. I just find the 31 gauge BD nicer. I'm I'm not a big cannula fan in the first instance because, you know, I started in the days when, you know, when I was at the factory two days ago, we were laughing about the two mil uh, product that came out, the the thicker product that came out as a two mil syringe with an 18 gauge cannula. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, ooh, just gives me the heebie-jeebies. So I've I've used cannulas since then and on and off. And it was when someone actually treated me with a cannula, it put me off treating other people with it. Right. uh, Because it it can be just a very weird sensation. Yeah. I think most people who've ever had a cannula would probably say it's not painful, but some people it freaks out. It's It's just a bit odd. It's it's (laughs) popping and crunching and moving. It's like liposuction on your face. Yeah. And it's, (laughs) it's, I mean, I can definitely see the benefits of it in certain parts of the face now. Mm. Uh, And I'm using cannula again a little bit more. Uh, However... It's not my favourite, and I feel like I get much more precision with using the very, very fine, okay. very, very fine needles. So, yeah. it, you know, precision is not as much of an issue with PRP as it is with the fillers. Yeah. Uh, PRP is something that is a. It's often when we're training new injectors in the clinic, uh, we'll start them out on PRP to de- to really teach them and develop their needle skills before they move on to things like the wrinkle relaxers and fillers that require a lot more kind of artistry and anatomical knowledge and flair. Yeah. So other than bruising, swelling. um, Can be a little bit uncomfortable. A little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, In fact, I guess is it a risk with an infection anytime you break the skin? No. No, the the risk risk? of infection, there's been no infections that have been reported and probably because they keep the white cells in there. And if anything, uh, occasionally we've treated, so we wouldn't use a needling device over Mm. infection, but occasionally if someone's got like a little spot, Mm. uh, you can inject the PRP under the spot and it helps resolve the spot. And in one of the O-Shot treatments that I did, there was a girl who was, she was actually a beauty editor, uh, but she was at the end of a urinary tract infection mm. and I was like, oh, it might be a little bit more ouchy and it bled like fury, mm. uh, but um, it cleared it up oh. completely within a day. So wow. uh, so there's thoughts that uh, it may actually be helpful yeah. in terms of infection. There have been no serious side effects with PRP in over 25 years of using it across all the different specialties that it's used in because uh, it, it started in cardiothoracic surgery where they were using whole blood mm. um, and then they used whole blood in um, uh, tendons and ligaments which yep. are traditionally hard to heal and then they 
discovered that the red cells were yeah. pro-inflammatory. Yeah. Um, so it created more inflammation. So yeah. they took the red cells out. Okay. And, you know, PRPs being used quite effectively in a lot of wound healing yeah. of ulcers. Um, you can spray it in after having surgery, after having facelift surgery, and it helps with recovery with the surgery. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that's useful. I have to tell Jeremy about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any absolute contraindications for people who can't have it? I thought that things like uh, you know, like skin cancers, might be a contraindication. It's interesting. So we've had discussions. There's discussions around this in the PRP community. There are some people who have concerns that because it's, it could be biostimulatory that it could uh, increase the uh, risk of um, uh, accelerating a cancer. Yeah. And then there are other people who feel like it could be actually protective. Mm. And um, I think it's a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, Our general manager, uh, Dee, is a breast cancer survivor who had massive problems with her scar mm. uh, to the point she, she had a heap of different problems that led up to her having basically <clears throat> scar tissue that is has no tissue between the skin and her ribcage and her intercostal muscles. So mm-hmm. she was in a lot of pain with that. And mm. um, we worked quite closely with her uh, with her surgeon and with her cancer doctors. And we decided that using a little bit of the PRP with the hyaluronic acid in it um, to help just soften out and loosen that scar could be beneficial. So we did several treatments that then really helped. Okay, great. So, yeah. But it's very much a case-by-case thing. Yeah. And and it's kind of like the aspirate, don't aspirate discussion um, with with fillers. Um, About half the industry is... So, look, it's probably protective. Half of it is, well, it could be a risk. Uh, <clears throat> my feeling is um, important to get the rest of the team involved and also being aware to increase monitoring just in case it is a problem. Mm. Yeah. Um, we sort of skirted over hair, but can we yeah. just talk about hair briefly? So presumably if you're bald, you're bald. That's the end of it. But if you're thinning, you know, say a guy in your temples or something's early, what would your sort of protocol and approach be? This is, this is where the research is really challenging because there are so many different protocols out there mm. and all of them are hit and miss. So all of them, some of them get great results and some of them don't. Um, there have been cases of uh, alopecia universalis that have been treated with PRP that have resolved. Mm. Um, the, our, our protocol is basically, we just like to keep it simple. We do the same as what we do with the, with the skin. One a month for three months because you get the cumulative effect. Yeah. And then every six to 12 months. Okay. I thought, that, well, I assumed you'd have more, but three, that's pretty good. Yeah. It seems to, it seems to work quite well. I mean, most of us in the team have tried it at some stage. Hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you, you do notice you're starting to get the little... Um, like baby, baby hairs coming back, probably at about three, four months afterwards, you start to see more of the baby hair coming through. And, um, you know, do you have to do any, I don't know, simple blood tests or, or ruling out other causes of hair loss first? Or do you just sort of say, look, this is a safe procedure, it's worth a try? If it doesn't work, well, we've you tried. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's not an area of specialty for me. So I'm very much, you know, this is a tool. We can wield the tool. It's the risk is low of uh, having any problems. Yes. If you want to try it, we can try it. Um, 
the probably worst case scenario is it might hurt a little bit and so it, it might hurt your wallet a little bit if it doesn't yeah. work. So, yeah. 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 But the results have been pr- promising with it so far? You know, it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, right, okay. But we have had good results with it. Okay. You know, we have people who are still coming back four or five years down the line who are having regular treatments. So when I mean, this is so hard to quantify, <coughs> but would you say you know, a 50% improvement, a 20%, like it's, it's very hard to quantify, I understand. But. I would say probably about 60% of people would come back and be really happy with the result. Mm. Okay. Um, and then there'd probably maybe about 20, 25% who go, mm, no, didn't, didn't really yeah. see much. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think as long as people are aware of those, uh, that that's a possibility mm. up front yeah. and they've made that decision from the outset, then um, yeah. Okay, fair enough. One thing um, that I'm curious about, because I've seen it in some of my own clinics with these uh, treatments like skin boosters where you're improving texture, sometimes can be hard to photograph yeah. and show results. I think when you're looking at anti-wrinkles, it's like, wow, okay, the wrinkle's there, the wrinkle's not there. Yeah. I can see you've added volume. Amazing. Sometimes the result can be very difficult to capture. That, that's been our biggest challenge in yeah. terms of photos has been because people come back. I mean, Vampire Facial Plus for me is one of my favorite treatments. Uh, you know, like you guys, I try all the things. Mm. And this is, it's, it's one treatment that I just, I, a week after, because I have had it reasonably regularly, mm. Literally a week after having a Vampire Facial Plus, my face just glows and I mm. have people going, wow, you're looking great. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so I think doing it semi-regularly, it's kind of the whole cobbler's shoe situation that, mm. you know, we're often the last people who actually get the treatments. Yeah. Mm. But when it does happen, because I've done it reasonably regularly and I maintain good skincare, you know, I love the result. Yeah, okay. Um. One thing that's confused me, and I guess maybe other people out there who aren't doctors might be have a similar sort of uh, misunderstanding, is there's a lot of talk around things like stem cell treatments. Um, where what is the difference between say like a PRP and like say like stem cell? I guess what what we're trying to achieve with a stem cell. I know that's not it's like a very in the future treatment, but in terms of where they're going? Is it a similar type of approach or theory? So a lot of stem cell treatments at the moment still have PRP in them. Right, okay. And so uh, so stem cells obviously are what we call pluripotent cells. Uh, so they can turn into anything. So yep. they're like the, the Superman cells of the mm. body, which is where there's massive potential for them in terms of regenerative capacity and regenerative medicine, injecting stem cells into an area to... Uh, create regeneration of the tissues. And the thought is that it's likely to be a, a much bigger impact than what we're doing with PRP. I've done, I've been keeping quite a close eye on it and there's different types of stem cells. Some I'm happy with, some I'm not. Uh, the types of stem cells I'm happy with are the autologous stem cells, so the ones that come from us. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of different ways that we can get those. Uh, we can get them from bone marrow, kind of painful mm awkward way of doing it mm. that the, the best stem cells best stem cells to get but uh you know it's quite a painful procedure mm. doing a bone marrow aspiration yeah and you know not without risks uh or fat derived stem cells which is being used more and more commonly and you know fat transfer has been used for a really long time yeah and the fat derived stem cells are basically a way of being able to uh you, purify 
down the fat to some people are using nano fat and then some people are also using something called stromal vascular fraction where you go through a process of spinning, filtering, mm. everything else. And then it's usually mixed with PRP and injected back into the tissues that you want to repair and regenerate. Okay. Uh, and I've done some training in it. At this stage, I don't feel, I, I feel like we're still on the cusp. And I've been saying this for probably about the last four or five years that we're on the cusp of something with stem cells, but I still don't feel we're quite there yet yep. uh, in terms of the um, mass market. Yeah. It feels like, you know, a few hundred years ago when we didn't understand blood groups, you know, sometimes you do a transfusion and hooray, everyone got better. And sometimes you killed people. Yeah. Well, hopefully <laughs> it, we're not killing people. No, no, no. <laughs> but what I mean is we, we're not really understanding the full, uh, you know, the mechanics of what we're doing. We understand that the potential is there, but we don't know how to use it yet. But it, fe it feels a bit like that. I, I agree with you. So Nicole and I went to the regenerative medicine uh, stream that was at AMWC, I think a couple of years ago, mm. got really excited that there was a regenerative med medicine stream mm. and that there were stem cells that were on the agenda with it. And we walked away a bit disappointed in terms of the quality of research that was out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> there are other people who are touting the benefits of stem cells that come from the amniotic fluid of animals and placental stem cells. Mm, yeah. I, I'm less... I, I, my litmus test is, is it something that I would be happy doing on myself? And quite frankly, having another animal's cells... Um, injected into my body I'm less comfortable with so yeah, um, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see where it takes us in the future I mean it's it's if if and when it does open it opens up a whole mm. new field of medicine which has the potential to be really exciting yeah. yeah there's a lot of people experimenting in different parts of the world like uh in South America there's a lot of American doctors setting up and you setting up these clinics and you've got athletes like NBL, NBL, NBA basketball players and cage fighters going across and getting these treatments done for horrific injuries and they're like back in some record time they thought they'd never play again and yeah <laughs> so there's obviously something there but uh, like as you said like we still don't know what we don't know I've got several of my friends who uh, Panama that was the place that they're going right, yeah. yeah I've got I've got several of my friends who've been to like uh, places in South America and also South Africa there's yeah. a couple of doctors there who are doing quite a lot mm. with stem cells and uh, you know I just I find it fascinating mm. uh, I've got quite a few friends who are kind of in the biohacking community yeah, right. like fully into like stem cells and bulletproof yeah. pot coffee and yeah. uh, you know injecting everything with everything yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, you know it's interesting to see and it's great that they are being human guinea pigs and <laughs> um, else, I'm, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm watching them closely <laughs> yeah very good um to finish off the i guess the standard prp treatments before we get into the next episode um <clears throat> waffles Wu is a plastic mm. surgeon in singapore i know waffles so he um you know i guess pioneered using meso anti-wrinkle treatments for skin improvement mm -hmm. <clears throat> You then touched on mixing PRP with filler. <clears throat> is there any indication to use PRP with anti-wrinkle treatments or is that just crazy? Uh, so it's one of the treatments that we do through the mesogun. Oh. And it's great for, so we mix hyaluronic anti-wrinkle and uh, PRP and we call it the cellular hydrate plus. Uh, 
Okay. And so, damn, you've stolen my idea. <laughs> it's a good idea. You can come over and play with it. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Don't do it in Australia. Um, so, so the hyaluronic acid. Uh, actually, this is a bit off piece, but I actually got into a bit of a a debate on on a Facebook forum just last week because someone was looking for a meso gun that uses hyaluronic acid to, to needle. And, and I guess the question was, where'd you get the hyaluronic acid from? Because it's not your traditional filler hyaluronic acid, it's more of a serum. So what, what, what are the hyaluronic acids that you're using? Uh, so the, the one that... Are you asking her to tell that and she can't well, mention brand no, names? Well, not the brand, but like <laughs> as in it's not from, uh, say, Allegan. Yeah. Or Galderma. No. So we're using, uh, so we're using, oh, the hyaluronic acid part of it yes. is an uncross-linked hyaluronic acid. Uncross-linked. Okay. And so it's, uh, there's special tubes with the PRP system that we use through Regen. Okay. And, fine. and that's the that's one the that we're using in Cellular Hydrate Plus. Uh, when we are doing the um, Vampire Facial Plus, uh, it's a special hyaluronic serum that is designed to go through the machine. Okay, fine. That's answered a question that we got into a bit of a heated debate about. Yeah, you know, I... Imagine you bashing out on the keyboard. (laughs) (laughs) Keyboard warrior madness. I'm not sure that using a stabilised hyaluronic acid at that level of this... All you're wanting the PRP to do is... the, the, The hyaluronic acid acts as a scaffold to hold the PRP into the skin more effectively for a little bit longer. Yeah. And so, um, and the way I sometimes describe this, because I have quite an active visual imagination, is I, I think of it like a jungle gym um, <laughs> that makes the, so it's a little jungle gym that um, makes the platelets happy that they get to go and work out in them. I'm imagining <laughs> David as a platelet right now. <laughs> Going out, working out, he's yeah. really happy, so he's more productive. He sticks around a little bit longer because he's got his gym to go and work out on. Yeah. Um, no, it's so, an important point, actually, because, you know, some doctors, who are you know not doing PRP that their criticism is always well you know you inject it and within a day it's gone so I think there is something to that 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 the hyaluronic acid is sort of acting as a like you said a scaffold it's sort of um, concentrating that PRP and and maybe allowing it to act rather than just flood away suspending it in the right in the right plane yeah 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 and also I mean if you look at I don't know if this is an analogy or not. The the if you do if you do an LED light treatment, that's just a single thing that has an effect in the skin for six weeks afterwards. And so, if you do an IPL treatment, you're doing a single thing that's having an impact that lasts mm. for a lot longer. So, just because yeah. it's only in the skin for a short period of time doesn't mean that it's not necessarily going to be effective. It's yeah. still starting those processes that we want it to start. Is an yeah. anti wrinkle gone in 24 hours? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Is an anti wrinkle gone out of your system in 24 absolutely. hours? Absolutely. So, so, I don't know if that's a particularly valid argument. Yeah, sure. I'm just weighing the argument. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I guess good, if he's using the, the discussion. I guess from like non-doctor head thinking, you've got the hyaluronic acid, which is going to give you a media effect. Which forget like it being more effective, helping the efficacy. It helps the patient see a result. 
Also, so like a visual thing straight away, which might be something that would help. Yeah, the hyaluronic acid. We we know that when you uh, when you needle hyaluronic acid into the skin, that it stimulates both collagen and elastin. Yeah. So by itself, it has, actually has an impact. But yeah. when we combine it with the PRP, the results of the PRP are enhanced, and also the results yeah. of the hyaluronic acid are enhanced as well. Synergistic. Hmm? Synergistic. Such a good word. Very good. There we go. So how do people get in contact with you if they want to reach out? So I think you mentioned your Instagram handle, but maybe we'll cover that again. Oh, so Instagram handle, that's more, more my holistic kind of uh, stuff. Okay, right. uh, the face place is probably the best okay. place to, so the face place. Uh, is, uh, so there's the face place website, www.thefaceplace.co.nz. Mm-hmm. And there's heaps of information on there and people can book online there as well. Yeah. Uh, and there's also an ask, an, uh, ask a question button. So if you don't want to have to make the commitment of actually coming in, but you've just got a few questions about it, feel free to do that. Our team's awesome at answering curly questions because they get a lot of them. They're just going to spam you with lots of other <laughs> questions. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> got this rash. Oh, no, sorry. I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to answer them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've right. got a decent sized team. So. Yeah, right. Okay. And then uh, the Face Place Instagram is the Face Place. Uh, the face place NZ, I believe. Okay. And I think it's also the same for uh, Facebook. Great. Very good. Thank you for giving us episode one of Liquid Gold. Ooh, Liquid Gold. Yeah, I think we're going to call it that. I think, it, yeah, it, it says it all really. Um, and we'll see you in the next episode. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kat. For our latest news, upcoming episode information and mini video clips of our guests, you can follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. We've also just started a YouTube channel called Inside Aesthetics and we'll be uploading more content and longer videos in the future.